Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. A few months back, in April, I talked to Jacob Bogage, a business reporter here at The Washington Post, about a holdup in Congress over some funding for the U.S. Postal Service. At the time, our team tossed around that idea for an episode, and at first we were a little skeptical. Does this story pack enough punch? Do Americans really care about what's happening at the Postal Service? I even turned to my husband to figure out if he'd listened to 30 minutes about the American mail delivery system and the money it needs to function. His response? Meh. But as our team talked about it more, we realized how many questions we had about the president's potential power over this government agency and how much the Postal Service's effectiveness might matter come November. Before long, the story, its implications, and its incredible importance became clear. Now, several months later, that story hasn't gone away. Did you ever think your beat covering the post office would garner so much attention? No, I, I never did. It's, uh, <laughs> I talk to sources sometimes. I say, how do you do this 52 weeks a year? And, uh, <laughs> and they all have very different answers. Since April, President Trump's rhetoric about the Postal Service has become more direct. He said that if he stops the Democrats from providing emergency funding to the Postal Service, it's harder for them to process a surge in mail-in ballots. And he said he wants less mail-in voting because he thinks too much vote by mail may cost him the election. They want three and a half trillion uh, billion dollars for the mail-in votes. Okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half trillion. They want $25 billion, billion, for the post office. Now, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. Meanwhile, a new postmaster general has taken over the agency. Louis DeJoy, who was previously a logistics executive, was named to head the Postal Service in May. He's also a major Republican donor. Now, in his short time in this new role, DeJoy has upended the mail system. DeJoy has shaken up USPS leadership. He's ordered the removal of hundreds of high-speed mail sorting machines. He eliminated overtime hours for delivery workers, and he banned them for making extra trips for on-time delivery. All of this while President Trump continued unfounded attacks on mail-in voting. They don't have the money to do the universal mail-in votes. It'll be the greatest rigged election in history. It'll be the greatest fraud ever perpetrated. Taken together, the combined effect of Trump's words and mail delivery slowdowns caused by DeJoy's changes left many Americans uneasy about the ability of the Postal Service to deliver mail-in ballots effectively this fall. Eventually, public pressure and support for the Postal Service led DeJoy on Tuesday to announce that the agency will not continue the controversial changes that had been underway at the organization until after November's election. But does that mean Postal Service operations are no longer in jeopardy? Can the post office ensure all mail-in ballots can get where they need to go? 
And most critically, has irreparable damage been done to American faith in our electoral system? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. I asked our business reporter, Jacob, to catch us up from where we left off in April. Back then, we talked pretty extensively about how Trump was threatening to block funding that the Democrats were proposing to help fund the Postal Service. And I wanted to know, did the Postal Service ever see that money? So back in April, we were talking about the CARES Act, which was an early round of coronavirus relief spending. Two trillion dollars, money for small businesses, money for uh, paycheck protection, lots and lots of resources in this CARES Act. And Democrats wanted to add uh, eventually $13 billion in direct aid for the Postal Service. And the White House said, absolutely not, no direct aid. You can get a loan if you want it. And the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, started putting terms on that loan that would have turned operating control of the Postal Service over to the executive branch, over to Treasury and the White House. And that bill passed with the loan in it. And then two really weird things happened. One, the Postal Service started doing much better financially than anyone expected. Package volumes, because we're all stuck at home, kept increasing. And paper mail volumes didn't decrease as much as everyone expected. And so even though the numbers underneath the surface are a little different, the Postal Service is in about the same place on the top line as it was this time last year. The other thing was that President Trump got involved and made this an issue about vote by mail. And that really galvanized Democrats to keep pushing for more money. So we're still talking about money, even though that loan has gone through and the Postal Service can access it if it needs to, which it doesn't yet. So Democrats, as you say, are pushing for even more money. House Democrats are trying to give the Postal Service $25 billion in emergency funding. And in part, they want to give more money to USPS because of Trump's rhetoric about mail-in voting. Trump said last week, essentially, if he doesn't make a deal with Democrats, that means the Postal Service doesn't get the money. And quote, that means they can't have universal mail-in voting. And that raised a lot of alarm. It drew a lot of headlines. Can you just outline why this statement from Trump garnered so much pushback? Sure. So let's first correct the president. He's wrong. The Postal Service has plenty of money to facilitate mail-in voting. It's got $15 billion, with a B, dollars in the bank, another $10 billion in that loan we just talked about if it really needs to backstop it. The Postal Service financially between now and the election is fine. It's a big deal that Trump got involved, as some people like to say, because he said the quiet part out loud. There are a number of reasons why, dating back to when he took office, Donald Trump didn't like the Postal Service, didn't want to provide extra resources to the Postal Service. This is another one of those reasons. He's afraid that the more folks are able to vote by mail, the more unsuccessful his re-election chances are. So as you mentioned, Trump is wrong on this. According to USPS executives, the Postal Service does have enough money to last at least through April of 2021, meaning they're definitely funded through the election. But alternatively, even though that funding is secure, the USPS has also warned a few months ago that they can't guarantee all the ballots would arrive in time. So if it's not money, why are they raising those flags? It's not money. It is resources. So in the past, and, and buckle yourself in, because this gets a little weird. In the past, 
states have sent out election mail through what's called something called bulk rate or third class mail. It's 20 cents an item. It takes between three and 10 days to arrive. But the Postal Service instructed postal workers to treat that mail as if it were first class, to afford special privileges, to move that mail through the system faster, because we prioritize election mail, because we all agree elections are important. That was informal guidance. That was never codified anywhere. It's not like in the rule book. But the Postmaster General and the Postal Service this year have been warning states is, if you want that kind of service— It might be smart to pay for it because we can't guarantee you that we'll continue affording cheaper mail, special privileges. And so that warning went out to 46 states. They told those states their voting requirements or deadlines of when you could request a ballot or when you could receive your ballot and then resubmit it based on when it needs to reach the Board of Elections were, and this is the term they used, incongruous with mail standards. So they tasked states with saying 80 days before an election, you need to make your voter requirements and deadlines more compatible with what we do. It's not our responsibility to make sure the mail gets there on time, even though we've done it in past years. And so that's what this warning is about. And somehow all of this is still the tip of the iceberg in a sense. Trump's comments about withholding funding to stop mail-in voting coincided with other things that were actually happening at the Postal Service that are potentially much more detrimental to mail-in voting than a lack of funding. And these are changes brought about by a new Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy. So first, how did DeJoy end up in this position? Last time we talked to you just a few months ago, Megan Brennan was in charge. Yeah, Louis DeJoy was named the the nominee for the Postal Service back in May. He took office in June. And within his first eight weeks at the Postal Service, he had slashed overtime hours, which are really important, especially in the middle of a pandemic. He banned postal workers from making extra trips to make sure your mail gets in on time, basically instituting a policy of delivering today's mail tomorrow. He had reorganized the entire executive ranks of the Postal Service. So he either replaced or shuffled around 33 top executives. He hasn't appointed the deputy yet. And only this week has he began meeting with congressional leaders. What sort of experience does DeJoy have that put him into this position? Why is he there? So DeJoy was a logistics executive. Logistics is the process of getting something from point A to point B. So that's arranging freight travel or putting it on a plane. He also did a lot of contracting with the Postal Service, not necessarily moving the mail or handling the mail, but handling Postal Service equipment like mail trays and mail hampers, repairing those and getting them back out to post offices. So he has worked with the Postal Service before, but not in a way that involves really touching the mail or understanding the broad scope of what the Postal Service does for the American people. He was also uh, a major Republican financial donor. We can't talk about him in this position without mentioning that. He donated more than $2 million since February to... Republican causes to the Trump campaign. He hosted a fundraiser at his home in 2017 for the president, where the president and first lady attended. He is a major financial, what we call a bundler. He helps recruit other people to give to campaigns and committees in North Carolina. So DeJoy comes in. 
He makes all these changes. What's the reason that he has given for putting these changes in place? The reason for those changes is cost cutting. We talked about how the Postal Service does have enough money to go from now until at least the spring of 2021, maybe even another full year after that. But that doesn't mean it's not. It's still an existential crisis. The Postal Service is set up to deal with paper mail, with letters and advertisements and bills and even prescriptions. They're set up to deal with stuff that moves through the mail system really clean and really light. They are not set up to deal with everyone buying stuff on Amazon or getting stuff shipped through FedEx and UPS. And the fundamental core function of the Postal Service is changing as consumer habits change and we use the internet more, but also as consumer habits change and we buy more stuff online. And so as we continue to make those changes, the Postal Service has to reimagine itself to better serve the American people. And that requires things like new machines to process packages and new trucks to ship packages. It requires a wholesale change. Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into. Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday, or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. So to that point, can you clear up some of the, I'd say, internet confusion around what things are actually happening as a result of DeJoy coming in and saying things must change? And what other things are sort of standard procedure? I'm talking about the removal of mailboxes that we've seen, the removal of mail sorting machines. What is happening because DeJoy is making these changes versus what was scheduled to happen anyway? So the changes we know are attributable to the Postmaster General and he admitted as much in meetings with top Senate and House leaders, are cutting back on overtime and prohibiting extra trips to deliver mail on time. These are two main things that alleviate mail backlogs. So mail doesn't sit and and pile up in post offices. If you can't use extra hours to process the mail, and if you can't make extra trips to get the mail out the door, if it comes in a little late, you're going to have backlogs. So that's what we know DeJoy is responsible for. The stuff that was going on that predated him but continued since he took office are removing these mail sorting machines. So we've reported that the American Postal Workers Union, one of the larger postal unions, has grieved the removal of 671 bulk sorting machines. If you ran all those machines at capacity for one hour, they could process 21.4 million mail items. That's about 10% of the Postal Service's machine inventory. That was scheduled to go before DeJoy took office, but continued, and he gave them a go-ahead to continue doing that after he got in office. The other thing is the removal of these mailboxes. Mailboxes get moved and relocated all the time. There are like 140,000 of these around the country. It was alarming for a lot of folks that they got moved so quickly after the president made his remarks about vote by mail. But to my understanding, and, and through my reporting, I haven't seen any indication that those mailboxes were moved because of what the president had to say. 
So the president has said many things on this subject, and Joy has taken some actions that have slowed down things at the Postal Service. So do we have a sense of whether or not DeJoy is being directed by or pressured by Trump to take these actions? That's the million-dollar question, and we're really not sure. The White House says no. They don't communicate with the Postal Service on these things. DeJoy has said at a board of governors meeting at the Postal Service that though he does have a very good relationship with the president, he would not seek the president's advice or approval or direction on issues dealing with the Postal Service that he has to run independently. But we're still not totally certain about the depth of that relationship, not just between DeJoy and Trump, but also between the two agencies. Now, what's been the response since these changes happened at the Postal Service across the country? I've certainly seen people on social media asking me to buy stamps. But aside from that, what's been the response across the country as these actions were being taken? We've seen an uprising in support of the Postal Service. We have seen folks telling you to buy stamps and people making the Postal Service their Instagram stories and going on the Postal Service's website and buying USPS swag, which is like oddly pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) We've also seen a bunch of lawsuits. 21 states have filed lawsuits, you know, arguing that DeJoy didn't have the authority to implement these policy changes without approval of the Board of Governors of the Postal Service or the Postal Regulatory Commission or Congress. There's been wide-scale pushback. I mean, in D.C., at 8 a.m. on a Saturday, people congregated in front of the condo building where the Postmaster General lives and banged pots and pans together and stuck letters on the front door of the building in a quote-unquote wake-up call to the Postmaster General that he shouldn't do these things. There has been a, a popular uprising in support of the Postal Service, which frankly is not surprising. The Postal Service has a 91% approval rating. It is the most beloved of any government agency People don't just approve of it. They love it. People buy their mailmen coffee in the morning when they see them out on their routes. I have postal workers tell me that all the time. And the anger is being directed upstream at the leadership of the organization, not at the rank and file and the folks that carry your mail and mine. So all of that swelled to so much public pressure that on Tuesday, DeJoy issued a letter saying none of these cost-cutting measures will continue before the election. What did the letter say exactly would change? The the key word in that letter is continue or or suspend. He said he would suspend these changes. And that's important because a lot of them have happened already. We talked about these mailboxes being removed. When we first started hearing about it, there were only a few states where folks were really concerned. It was Oregon, Montana, Pennsylvania. I have seen folks send me photos of mailboxes that were there and now are not there in Ohio and D.C. and Arizona and California. And it's much more widespread than we previously thought. And it's unclear. It's unlikely that the Postal Service is going to reinstate and put those mailboxes back. If they've been moved or removed, they're staying out. Same thing with the bulk mail sorting machines. Again, we reported 671 mail sorting machines were going to be removed by the end of this month starting from earlier in the summer, 658 of those 671 were scheduled to be removed before the month of August began. So the job is mostly done. When we talk about suspending, sure, we might not remove any more machines between 
now and the election, even though there are reports that they're continuing, we might not move any more mailboxes between now and the election. But we're also not going to put any back. The damage has been done. So is the ability of the Postal Service to deliver every ballot in November, is that in jeopardy? I don't think so. If you were planning to send your ballot through the mail, I think you have every reason to still be confident that your ballot will get delivered. There are things that you can do to make sure that process goes smoothly, which is mostly making a plan to vote. Do you know when you need to request your ballot by? Do you know for whom you're going to vote when you get your ballot so you can fill it out right away and put it back in the mail? Do you know if it needs postage? Do you know what the deadlines are if it has to arrive by election day or if it can be just postmarked by election day? If you can answer all those questions for yourself, you don't have to rely on the Postal Service about whether it can get its job done or not. You will have made the process much easier. What strikes me most is that perhaps what can't be undone here are the repeated attempts to discredit voting by mail and the perceptions that some Americans likely now have about the Postal Service's ability to get this job done. For our democracy to work, we obviously need credibility in our electoral systems. And putting that into question really seems like a lasting risk here. Yeah, I think one of the larger issues is not necessarily can the Postal Service do its job. It absolutely can. It's got the money to. If it runs out of money, it still has more money. The concern is not, will the Postal Service be able to do it? The concern is, have voters been turned off from using the Postal Service uh, as a way to cast their ballot? And if they have, will they still vote in person or find another way to cast their ballot? And again, I would say there's no reason to be turned off from the Postal Service as a way to cast your vote. And just to add to some of the complication in all of this, it seems like on Wednesday, the White House suggested that they might, after all of this, be willing to approve funding for the Postal Service. Why that change of message? And and do you expect that to actually happen? They're backpedaling hard, the White House is. They started out when we first talked back a few months ago, denying emergency coronavirus funding. And then all these months later, you know, they've systematically assaulted vote by mail. And polls have shown that Republicans won't vote by mail if the president doesn't want them to, which created huge political problems and electoral problems for him in his reelection. Then he said he would deny funding. That didn't work very well. Then the White House said, ah, we'll think about funding, maybe 10 billion, not 25. Then the president tweeted, save the post office. And now the White House is saying, actually, we're open to 25. So to summarize all of this, Trump himself has said, though he's flip-flopped, that he wants to withhold Postal Service funding to mess with mail-in voting. And DeJoy, maybe with some pressure from Trump, it's hard to tell, has taken steps to mess with operations and systems within the Postal Service. Is there anything else that the White House or the Trump campaign has done to make mail-in voting more challenging for the American people? They're suing in a lot of states to try to invalidate ballots that are being mailed in. And they're doing it in states that are controlled by Democrats because they are suggesting without evidence and without really any leg to stand on that somehow those elections will be administered in a materially different way than elections in other states. Uh, I, I think the best indicator of where the president stands on vote by mail is to see what he does himself. And Donald Trump votes by mail in the state of Florida. 
Okay, so then with all of this as a backdrop, DeJoy is set to testify at a Senate hearing on Friday and then at a House hearing on Monday. What do you hope to learn from these hearings and what should our listeners watch for? So from Republicans, I want you to watch for them trying to make the case the Postal Service doesn't need any more money. I think you're going to see them really try to pressure the Postmaster General and also the chair of the Board of Governors, Robert Duncan, to renounce any sort of funding request and to say on the record that the Postal Service does not need money, nor does it want money. I think that is Republicans trying to create some sort of win for the president. I think Democrats will be pushing very hard on the Postal Service's relationship with the White House and the kinds of communication Louis DeJoy has not only with President Trump himself, but with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and with other folks in the Republican hierarchy who have the ear of the president and know the White House's priorities. All right, Jacob, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to go back and listen to our first episode on this topic from April, you can find the episode linked in our show notes. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Ariel Plotnick with logo art from Loren Boglio and theme music by Ted Muldoon. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.